0: Welcome to OCD Whisperer podcast. This is your host Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K O R results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Christina Orlova. In today's episode, I'm going to do things a little differently and what I've done is I've picked four questions that have been uh, direct messaged me from my Instagram account and I am going to answer them today. I find that sometimes um, hearing things spelled out a little bit um, can be, I think just a little more user friendly than maybe reading a post so, I thought that um, this might be something that could be helpful as an ongoing process to have podcasts that will be dedicated to uh, a Q&A. So I am going to dive right on in and to look at the first uh, comment and question that was asked. Um, The question is, when somebody has unintentional thought suppression, how do you have acceptance around that? So unintentional thought suppression um, is essentially when in many ways you're kind of back in what I call an autopilot zone. So you're not fully consciously aware um, that something is going on in your mind that might be causing you a stress um, or inducing anxiety. So maybe you're doing something um, or you're busy cooking or you're with friends or, um, you you know, you're just not, you're just a little absent-minded, which of course all of us, you know, we're human, we do that. Um, But, you know, so somewhere in there, let's say something happened and, um, you know, you didn't quite intend to suppress the thought, um, but you recognize that you suddenly had that familiar feeling, um, that kind of hit, that feeling of anxiety, you know, where it can feel like, you know, there's something at the pit of your stomach, like your tummy is turning or like butterflies are flying in there. Or maybe like for me personally, my chest, uh, my heart beats really fast. So I feel like my heart's going to fly out of my chest. Um, For other people, it can feel like your hands are getting really sweaty or a clammy, um, or cold cold sweats, um, or maybe your thoughts are racing. So usually that's a sure way to recognize that something just happened because you just got hit with that familiar anxiety feeling. So the moment that you recognize that something like that had just happened, yes, it's always a good idea to pause and slow down. And take a look at what just happened, so that you can actually unpack that moment and see for yourself what was what just went through your mind that you tried to suppress. Um, was it an image that popped up? Was it a fear thought that went through your mind? Was it um, a doubt a doubt question that popped in? Usually, they start with "what if." Um, was it, um, something that maybe you read recently or a conversation you had and suddenly it popped in your head? Uh, maybe it was just this internal, uh, impulse like a feeling that just kind of popped in feeling like, Ooh, I feel like I have to, you know, do something a certain way, or I have to have things a certain way, or, or, um, you just can't quite explain why, but just something feels off. Um, and then you try to dismiss it or push it away or suppress it or do something about it. So you want to slow down and connect to yourself to understand what was actually that, what just happened basically, which one of these internal, as I call them hooks, um, just just happened that hooked you in um, to want to suppress. The moment you can do that, um, then the next step is absolutely to pivot your mindset back into um, using some mindfulness strategies, um, bringing yourself to the present moment. Um, you can do that by literally just connecting to your body. Your body is a tool, so use it. Um, connect to your body, connect to your feelings. Um, that way, you can make sure you're in the room and really take some deep breaths. Um, and connect to that feeling and that sensation that you're having. And that would be one of the best ways and and the most simple and easy and quick and accessible to be able to unpack the unintentional thought suppression and move yourself towards acceptance. Um, The last piece is, of course, practice over time. And that's true for everything. You have to practice things to get good at them. Um, but you know, as, as you can probably already hear, I'm really a big fan of having tips that are simple, accessible, actionable. Um, a lot of this of course does come from doing exposure and response prevention work, mindfulness strategies, some acceptance and commitment work, um, from, um, acceptance commitment therapy and fusing it all together. Um, so those would be the, 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 the steps that I would take. For the next question we have um, what if um, you're comparing your OCD to others or to Instagram posts in order to either validate or invalidate your own experience? So this would be called a comparing or checking compulsion. So one of the things that's important to note about this behavior is number one is that it is a compulsion. What is a compulsion? Let's review. A compulsion is any behavior that you engage in that's that's aimed at neutralizing your anxiety or trying to be preventative. So it can be a mental behavior or a physical behavior. It can also be something like this. If you're checking um, or comparing your own internal state or you're looking on Instagram posts and you're looking at um, it could even be my page, who knows. (laughs) Um, and you're looking at at that in in terms of seeing, well, do I feel like that? Does that happen to me? Does it not happen to me? Um, you know, if you do that process, you know, once and you kind of take, take a moment, take stock of it, and then you move on, usually most likely you'd be fine. But if you're doing, if you're finding that you're doing that repetitively and that you're actually starting to have more anxiety and you're starting to have more of this, urge to want to compare and continue to check on things because you're trying to validate or invalidate your own experience, that's going to be a big clue for you that that is a compulsion that you're getting hooked into. And if you are, definitely a good strategy would be to use some response prevention planning. So um, it would be something like saying, okay, instead of me being an autopilot and doing this behavior uh, unconsciously really, um, and with no intentionality, let me get intentional about it. Let me get conscious about it. So maybe I create a plan. So I might say, okay, I will look at a post, let's say an Instagram, just because I actually, let's say I actually enjoy reading a post. Um, I will want to go to look at it, make sure I'm paying attention to myself that mentally, if I'm wanting to start to compare myself or my experience To what's in that post to try to validate something that I will now catch that behavior, uh, call it out for what it is, that it's a compulsion, and proactively really interrupt that process. And then I will look at that post once, just long enough to read everything, and then I will move on or I will turn off my phone and put it away and sit with that feeling. So that's how I would address that. Next question we have is, um, what if, like, would it be okay? Or, or can somebody who has OCD find a girlfriend or a friend, um, who shares the same disorder? Um, absolutely. I mean, number one, you know, I, I don't want anybody to ever feel like you're dealing with something alone because you're not, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, you know, I've had OCD my whole life and really it's, it's really been like the last, I mean, I've had questions, is it really OCD? And then kind of having disbelief and then saying, oh my gosh, it is. And then downplaying it and saying, nah, it's not OCD. And, and it's taken a while um, to really come to that place of true recognition and acceptance of, oh yeah, no, th- I have OCD. This, like, this is, this is for real. This is not a joke. This is not a quirk. I, I definitely have it. Um, And I have to tell you, you know, when coming to terms with this process, you know, it can really feel isolating. So if you find a friend with the same disorder, um, it absolutely helps so that you can really feel that camaraderie and, and know you can talk to somebody else about it. My only caveat is I always encourage people, please do the best you can to make sure you have some sort of uh, training or treatment or something, so that you both are not inadvertently compulsing with each other and not even knowing it, and and, and hence kind of feeding each other's cycles, because that can definitely happen. And if neither one of you is really aware, um, then it actually can impact your your you know friendship or relationship, and not in a positive way. So that would be my only caveat. Is just make sure that. Um, you guys are at least talking about openly to start with um, and that you guys are at least able to say, hey, you know, what do you find you typically do to try to neutralize your anxiety Um, so that you can have that space and maybe even together get creative and get resourceful and see like, okay, how can we make sure that we're, you know, if we trigger each other, that we're being thoughtful about that. So you can kind of get ahead of the curve, so to speak. Uh, The second part of that question was, um, could there be a positive influence if let's say you find um a partner um and you have like a first time experience with with let's say a partner? Um again the answer there is going to be the same. Um it can it all can be a positive experience. It also can sometimes be negative. It it's really so highly individualized, but I think to be better positioned for it to be a positive experience and for it to be something. Um, that you both can learn from, you know, again, as much as you can, if you are going to be looking for a partner who also has OCD, then just talk about it. It really doesn't help anybody if if everybody's trying to be in secret. Now, having said that, it really is such a personal process in terms of coming to a place of really acceptance and choosing to talk about it. Like I said, for me, it's taking me a very long time Um, And only this month, I finally made the decision to come out of the OCD closet and to start to talk about the fact that I do have OCD because time and time again, I find that um, it's actually been more helpful than not for people to hear it from me and to hear that, you know, I have, I have that experience to hear a little bit of my own story. So um, you know, I do get it. I don't take it with a grain of salt that, you know, it's 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 a humbling experience to, you know, come to that place to really embrace, accept, and, and be able to be open about it. So, but if you are actively looking for a friend or a partner who also might share and, and have the same um, diagnosis of OCD, then the best thing you can do for each other is to at least just be open and honest and talk to each other. And again, the caveat is, Not compulsively, right? So that you're not just incessantly sitting and both going in circles, but that you're really just sharing, hey, here's what my experience is, what's yours, and how can we, um, you know, kind of keep that at the forefront as we continue to get to know each other so that we're not, or so that we're catching it, you know, ourselves and and each one of us can hold ourselves accountable um, for our own behaviors. The last question I have is, Um, What if you're checking feelings of proof if the obsession is true or not, Um, which basically sounds like you're trying to get certainty. Um, And essentially, the second part of the question is, you know, what if you're scared of a certain feeling or feeling something, and then because you're checking, you actually end up feeling it. And so then, of course, you might start to think that everything is actually true, which of course will lead to you. Um, directly, you know, that impacting your self-esteem and you feeling like, you know, you might start to hate yourself. Um, This is very, very common. So I really want to normalize this. This is extremely common. And before, you know, treatment and understanding of the neurobiology and neurophysiology of OCD, you know, it can be really tough because you're not quite even sure what's happening. Um, but it's very common, especially for topics that involve things like, um, you know, anything around, um, sexual themed OCD, um, sexual themed OCD. There's so many different variations of that. Um, but if you are constantly finding that you're checking your feelings for proof of something, or you're trying to make sure that. Um, you're you're trying to check to see, you know, would I be attracted to this or would I like that? or would that turn me on? or would it not? Do I like it? Do I not like it? If you're spending an exorbitant amount of time checking yourself to see and to validate, just please know that you are absolutely engaging in a compulsion. And that attempt to try to get that certainty leads to nowhere all compulsions do is actually make it worse. So all compulsions do is send a message to your brain that this thing that could maybe feel off or maybe be a threat becomes threatening, like it's a threat. So then you're going to, of course, feel like you have to keep responding and you have to keep doing something about it. So, um, you know, as humans, we're very powerful. Like our brain is powerful. I mean, think about depression, right? Doctors, for example, will see patients who come in complaining about stomach aches and different pain in their physical body. They will check them and say, there's nothing wrong with you, but you should see a therapist. So we've all heard of this, right? Where just the power of our, of our mind and body and that connection. And that when we're feeling so down that we can create things. Well, same thing with OCD. If your brain is producing an error message, but it doesn't feel like it's an error message and you don't quite know what's going on and you start to respond to it, then what you're doing is creating more of that cycle, more of that problem. And so it's not uncommon that then the rest of your body will respond uh, respond accordingly, because in, in a really kind of backwards way, your OCD brain is trying to keep you safe. It's like a weird friend that's trying to say, hey, look out, there could be a threat here. Um, and so you have to really learn um, to understand your own brain, understand how things are operating for you, and then really individualize um, your own specific exposure and response prevention plan that will include um, creating some really firm uh, limits and and boundaries with the checking compulsion in this example Um, and creating kind of like a a step-by-step process so you can create like a step-down process, if you will. If you're finding that you're checking all the time and you're really attached to that behavior, then you can at least create a plan so you can start to reduce that behavior a little bit at a time. I hope that these are helpful. Um, I always just want to express deep, deep gratitude for everybody who is listening and that you keep coming on and and that you share with me, that you enjoy this podcast. Um, And I'm just really thrilled to pieces and and deeply moved. um, And and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts, or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com backslash contact backslash. That's coreresults, K-O-R-R-E-S-U-L-T-S.com backslash contact.